0: Sweetie, what do you think of this song?
1: Uh, I think it's not You love right.
0: it. You wish you wrote this song. No, I don't. Um, it's Friday, everybody. Podcast number 300 and I don't know what, 305 maybe? Uh-huh. Um, so welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. Um, we are doing something different because, Kathy, you and I own this business, so we don't have to answer to nobody. <laughs> we don't have to have meetings other than when we're Between just, us. Yeah. So... We usually have interviews on Friday, and we're not doing that today. We've been getting inundated with some awesome questions from listeners.
1: Yeah, let me say real quick that because of that, I'm sorry that we can't respond to all of them via email um, just because there's a lot. So this was Todd's idea um, to at least get to – the majority of them or some of them. It's not we'll the see majority. how many
0: we're gonna to get to. No, I mean this is all this is our backlog. We have seven questions. Okay, good. And we're gonna to try to get through all of them, but okay. sometimes you and I talk about one question for thirty minutes.
1: Well, and there's a lot of a lot of times we get a question that's similar to another question that somebody asked, and so we kinda of blend them and combine them, and you know, universal principles are very beautiful because this doesn't it doesn't mean that everyone's story isn't important. It means that typically if you see it from a certain perspective, you can it, it helps the situation. So
0: let me introduce the show. This is Zen Parenting Radio, Correct. a podcast for self-aware parenting. Yes. And this is, like I said, I think it's Podcast 305, but who knows? doesn't matter.
1: What about feeling outstanding?
0: And um, always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? That's... Why?
1: Because you'll feel outstanding.
0: That's our tagline. Thank you, me. Actually, you came up with it.
1: Well, you know, what? it was a blend. It was it was after we saw Tony Robbins. It
0: was during.
1: Because he kept saying, you guys can feel good, right?" but how about feeling outstanding? Yeah,
0: and it sounds cheesy, but it's the truth.
1: It, and Todd and I looked at each other, we're like, yeah, why are we so fine with feeling good?
0: It's Feel Outstanding Radio, even though this isn't radio, it's a podcast. Same deal. So here's, um, I, I did little titles for each question. So I'm going to go through each title just to give people a preview of what we're going to talk about. Okay. Number one, chakras slash tod- tod- toddlerville. You know, what? this woman has a toddler. Okay. So toddlerville.
1: Okay. I thought you were talking about yourself. You were saying Todd.
0: No, no, not me. Number two, step parents. Okay. And an eight year old with a huge personality. Okay. Number three, preschool drop off. Okay. Number four, spanking. Okay. Number five, two year old son tantrums. Okay. Number six, top 10 books.
1: Okay, I can do that.
0: And last but not least, divorce and a new baby.
1: All right, so we're done.
0: So we're <laughs> we don't know if we're going to get to all of them. No, and I if don't we think so. don't, then sorry, we'll get it to you next time. And then we also want to do that Facebook Live thing sometime soon.
1: I know that was fun. Yes, that that two minutes of time was fun. It's a
0: great two minutes. <laughs> all right, so here it is, number one, uh, Chakra's Toddlerville. This is from, I don't know if I'm allowed to say who it's from. So, I was wondering if you have any archive shows about chakras as it relates to parenting, particularly the toddler years. Also, I use the language like Kathy says. What's going on here? Do you use that language, sweetie?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, something to that effect. I think what she's saying is she asks the question rather than assumes.
0: When talking with older children, but as my baby will be entering toddlerville soon and finding her voice in the boundaries of the world for example, what, if, what happens if I run into traffic, I'm wondering how you converse in that way with a not totally rational little person. Sure, you explain why things are unsafe, but often they want to know what will actually happen if they do it. Uh, any archive shows recommendations. So there's really two questions in this. Yeah, one Yeah, I'm question.
1: curious about the sh- what about uh, the chakras?
0: She, I think she's interested in chakras. And uh, there's probably a lot of people listening that don't have any clue what a chakra is.
1: Okay, well, a chakra is an energy center in the body, and it's not something you can see visually, but it's something that you can understand by the way our body flows and mm-hmm. works. Um, I there's a lot of um, you know when you're talking about. Western medicine and the medical model, they don't often incorporate chakras into their healing system, but that's changing a lot. There's a lot of understanding of how the energy flow in the body helps healing and helps us process trauma and old feelings and how an understanding of energy flow and what our chakras are can actually help us help us to heal ourselves. Okay. Okay.
0: Any resources?
1: Um, yeah, I was actually going to... Um, I did not know this question was coming, but yeah, I have a
0: book. I, I read through all the questions and study them I don't. with precision. So
1: why don't we do this? Will you do me a favor? Because I have a, a book upstairs, and it's called... Um, gosh, what is her name? It's like Eastern Body, Western Mind. Oh, yeah, I know
0: that one. Uh, it's it, the big blue it's one. It's the big
1: blue one that I, I've always used for yeah. 10, 20 years. Yeah. So look that up, who the author is. Why um, don't
0: you help this woman with the whole toddler thing? What if she you know, you know, the, what happens if I run into traffic? Did right. you catch that? Yes.
1: And basically what her toddler is saying is why should I feel unsafe Yeah, and why are you worried? Yeah, And the, the way that I try and talk to little kids about things like that is just to be really literal with them. I don't mean literal, like tell them they're going to get hit by a car and hurt, but say it's, it's our responsibility to take care of our body and we don't want to put our body in front of moving cars. And what
0: if the toddler says, well, what happens if I do that?
1: Oh, it would hurt. Mm -hmm. It would hurt.
0: It would be unsafe. So you don't say you're going to die or anything? Well,
1: I think that... The thing we need to know about kids is that they need uh, young kids, especially toddlers, re- toddlers, really basic information. Yeah, keep it it's, simple. It's kind of like, you know, any kind of sex talk or talk about drugs and alcohol at a really early level, you know, at that really young age. They only need basic information. We have this adult brain with all these information, all this information and hypotheticals and what ifs. Kids don't have that. Um, In their brain, uh, you know, that Marianne Williamson quote, kids don't yet have that file in their brain that says, what if?
0: This reminds me of a story with our middle daughter. Okay. Because she used to ask us like, oh, we don't want you to walk home alone. Why? Right. You know, what'll happen to me? And I always struggled with that.
1: Yeah. It's not, you know, and she was older
0: than a toddler. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She was like last year or whatever. We could be more uh, forthcoming. But we don't say you're going to get scooped up by some scary guy. Like, what do we say when she's-
1: yeah, we. I think that the thing we say to our kids is it's not about that, le- that um, situation that could happen that's 1%. It's just about taking responsibility for yourself and doing everything you can to be wise and protected and surrounded by people who care about you. Because the more you can do that, the more you're thoughtful about these things, the less things you have to worry about. Right. So we kind of take it the other way rather than um, – I was actually doing a presentation the other day, and the person that I was working with um, was using a lot of fear with the parents. And that is – it can get attention.
0: Yeah, it's easy.
1: It's easy, and and sometimes getting attention is important with certain people. But at the same time, if – If that's where we're parenting from, that place of fear, that worst-case scenario, then our choices are not going to be clear-minded. Because when we are in fear, we're just naturally cloudy. We're in past or or future. We're not in present time. So. Quick clip. Okay, please. Vader, is the dark side stronger? No. No. No.
0: But the busier, more seductive. Quicker, easier, more seductive, sweetie. I know, it's
1: hard to hear Yoda like that. Quicker, easier. More seductive. Do you know I remember seeing that movie when I was really young and not always understanding what Yoda was saying? And I don't mean not getting the gist of it. I mean, I literally couldn't understand his words. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, because uh, he was a puppet. He's so. not good at enunciating. Thanks a lot, Frank Oz.
1: I know. Even though he is has the most the most wise opinion of the whole movie. And sometimes I'd be like, yeah. I'd have my ear like, what's he saying? Right. But what is what he's saying about... You know, so
0: you're you're working with somebody and they went the fear route
1: the fear route right and that again gets attention yeah. and you and everyone's like oh, then what do we do and and interestingly my opinion is release some of that fear yeah because let's look at it from a different perspective let's set up your child instead of to walk home in this fear-based thinking yeah. to have them look around and recognize how they feel safe and how they can stay safe. Not it, do, And this is really hard to talk about because, again, I see it, Visually in my head, but instead of taking the lowest common denominator, give them the highest common denominator. Like tell them, hey, when you're walking home, you know, what houses do you know? Like where do your friends live? And, you know, who do you recognize? And who do you see? And, you know, just keep those people in mind. When you walk home, keep your head up. You know, look around, notice the flowers. These are you know, I'm not trying to trick my child when I'm saying this. These because are actually it's all good true things. Right. But what I'm trying to have her be is aware of where she is rather than afraid yeah. of where she lives. Right. It's like be aware and, and also um, give them this is kind of a deeper thing. But one thing, you know, I talk to my girls about things, you know, situations that can be in the 1%, um, you know, kidnappings, that kind of thing, stranger danger stuff. Of course, these are things we talk about. Um, but What I try and do is empower them with, girls, you would know to if somebody said this, you know, come with me. You know in your gut when things are not right. You know and you have permission to say to an adult. No. Right. If you are afraid. Because a
0: lot of parents say, oh, you got to respect adults. And, you know, that's a very misguided message.
1: It can be. You know, and it kind of goes back to those really early days. Like, um, we've always been very thoughtful with our children. Like, you know, when adults that they don't know want to hug them or kiss them, even their grandparents sometimes. We've always been very thoughtful. We about, don't have any
0: experience with that. <laughs>
1: We've always been very thoughtful about, of course, you're respectful and kind. You, kindness is just a staple. Right. It's not that you can be a little brat and say, that, you know, right. I mean, they would sometimes when they were really little, but it's, you can be kind, but there are other options. You can high five, you can shake hands. Yeah. You can, you don't We've have... encouraged
0: a lot of high fiving with grandchildren to grandparents.
1: We have. I mean, because, and they, on their own accord, as they've gotten older, have been able to hug everybody yeah, because, they're because older they now. chose it.
0: But when they're three years old and they only see their grandma. Or grandpa twice a year, they don't They don't have a connection with this person. But yet we as parents say, no, this is your grandparent. What does that mean? That doesn't mean, doesn't anything, mean anything to anything these to kids. Them. They just know it's some person that shows up every now and again.
1: And really what we're focused on is we want to make the grandfa- uh, grandparent feel better about their role rather than help the grandparent and the kid develop a relationship over time. Right. We don't need to pretend something exists before it does. Right. I mean, that's not truthful in itself. And so this is this can be difficult because I know generationally speaking, not all grandparents are on board. They just want to love and, and, and hug their right. grandkids because they love them. Yeah. Like they're coming from only a heart centered place. But help them understand that the way you're going to connect with you know with this kid is by giving them space. Yeah. Is by not needing so much from them. Right. Like have the love in you and offer it, but don't demand it from them. Right. So I went totally off the rails. Yeah, you did. Okay. So the the whole thing about the toddlerhood, I think we kind of um
0: Do you want to know what the name of the book is? Yes. Uh Eastern Body, Western Mind, Psychology and the Chakra System as a Path to the Self, written by I can't pronounce her name, A N-O-D-E-A. Anodia. Uh-huh. Judith. Mm-hmm. So that's a good resource. So I
1: think it's Anodia. Anodia. It, is it D-E-A? Yeah. I think it's anodia.
0: No, anodea. <laughs> Um By the way, regarding these questions, uh-huh. um, I summarized them because a lot of them were longer right. and for the sake of time. So if you hear your question and you're like, oh, that's not exactly what I wrote, it's because we're trying to leverage our time a little and bit. And we're
1: trying to blend yes. questions. Actually, uh, I'm
0: not doing any blending at this show.
1: Well, this um – this book that Todd referred to, uh, Eastern uh, Eastern Body, Western Mind, is that what it's called? Yep. Western um, – is really a wonderful, I think, description of the chakras. Also, um, uh, anatomy <clears> – <throat> Carolyn Mace, uh, Anatomy of the – Soul, I think it's called. Look up Carolyn Mace. How do Oh, uh, there it is. Okay. M-Y-S-S. Anatomy of the Spirit. Um, Anatomy of the Spirit. That book is really good in the explanation of chakras, too. And you guys, I know that sometimes for some of you, it's like chakras, what's that? Look at it and read about it, and you won't think it's so crazy. Yeah. Like, I was just in a... Um, I just finished yoga right before I came here, and when I'm done with yoga, I tend to have this thing where I lay down and the top of my head tingles. There's other times that that happens too. It's not just a yoga thing, you know, just so I'm not blending those two as, you know, it can be, you can have head tingles for other reasons, but when you understand what's going on at the top of your head, as far as energy flow, it's, you start to understand why you have head tingles.
0: Do you know there's something special about the top of your head, sweetie?
1: My head? Yeah. Yes, I know.
0: Your skull didn't close up all the way. (laughs) I know. So like there's this big divot. Like if you're bald, you'd have a big divot in (laughs) your head. And I don't know how you felt about that as a child, but somehow we kind of understood or appreciated the fact that you're open to the yeah. sky.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> I do. It, it's like something as a kid I was embarrassed about. Yeah. Um, and you can't see it. It's just you can feel it at the top of my head. It's wide open. And then now I'm like, oh, that's I great. could feel
0: it when I'm massaging your head because you have a headache.
1: Yeah. The divot.
0: So 15 minutes, one question. Yikes.
1: Okay, let's go.
0: Um, all right. But I want to do the drum roll because it's going to help me produce the show. Okay. Number two. Um, Katerina says, do you have anything relating to parenting when remarried? It's a tricky journey and I'm looking for insights into how to get your groove as parents, one of which may not have parenting experience. I'm also looking for guidance on helping an eight-year-old with a huge personality learn some self-control when it comes to being vocal or bossy, as her teacher calls it. Any podcasts that might help either of these two topics, question mark?
1: Um, the first one that I'm thinking of, and maybe Todd, you can look this up. Sure. Um, oh, and
0: by the way, when you buy stuff on Amazon, make sure you go to our homepage first, because um, we get a little commission on if you buy any of these books.
1: What made you? Th- oh, but we're not. Ta- oh, these books that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what? Do you, what made you think of Amazon? Um, so, one thing that I found. What really, do you want me to uh, look up? I wanted you to look up "Dear Sugar," and I want you to look up the episode about the step parent. So it was probably about two or three weeks ago. So there's this podcast I love, uh, Cheryl Strayed, Steve Allman, Dear Sugar. um, And about two or three weeks ago, they started talking about step parenting. And what I found really helpful in understanding um, that process and the blending of families is societally, we think that once we come into a family and once we blend our families, that all of a sudden we're like, okay, now I love all you children like my own and um, the you know the other parents like I love these children as my own and that all of a sudden there's this Brady Bunch thing that happens where everyone's just in love and calling each other mom and dad and what we need to understand is of course when we marry someone who has children we have to understand that the the kids are part of the package you don't get to just dive in and say well forget the kids they are part of the package They're, that's just a given. yeah when
0: you marry somebody you are also marrying, marrying the their, family. their family
1: right so that I'm that's. You know, period, hands down. But you have to give yourself a break in developing that relationship over time, that if you are having feelings of, I'm not quite sure how I feel about these kids yet, or sometimes they drive me crazy, or, oh my gosh, kids are loud, like, especially if you weren't a parent before, that's okay. You don't need to shame yourself or guilt yourself or think that you're an evil step parent. It takes That's time. actually the
0: name of the uh, podcast, The Tale of the Wicked Stepmother. Oh, wonderful. And I'll put it in the show notes so you can find it because that's a good podcast.
1: It is. It Basically, it was uh, about a woman who wrote in who said, I'm awful because I'm not having the feelings for my stepchildren that I should. And the thing is, is that happens over time. What you have to do is be open to the possibility that the more you get to know them, the more you spend time with them, that those things start to solidify and they're based on your own experiences rather than what society tells you to feel. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're doing something or feeling bad because you don't feel a certain way, it's usually it's because it's demanded by society. Right. And you're like, what's wrong with me that I can't have these feelings? Why don't you just be in like with your stepkids for a while?
0: Well and I remember I don't know where I heard this, but you know, if let's say I was mm-hmm. I'm a stepdad to new kids or whatever. You sometimes it doesn't hurt to be thought of as like an uncle, yeah, instead of the dad
1: or not even or just or, go by your first name or a
0: friend, yeah, or whatever. So you don't have to say okay. Start calling me dad now, like right. it's, like the whole ma dad thing. Like um, not step. This is more in laws. But I never understood, like your parents are John and Judy. Right. I would never call them mom and dad. Right. I love them. Right. But I just think that's weird.
1: Well, and that's very personal because yeah. there are some people who may come from a family where they didn't have that connection with their mom and dad. So when they have in laws, they have that connection. So they do call them mom and dad. Yeah. So there's no right or wrong. It's just to Todd's point, you get to choose, and that that language, that pressure we put on ourselves, where. We just start calling these kids that maybe we just started blending with six months ago. Oh, that's my kids. Or those are my daughters. Yeah. Just be more authentic about
0: it. I have experience with stepfathers. You do. I I lost my stepfather. How old is JC? 13? 13, 13 years about ago. About 13 years ago. And he was an amazing man. His name is his name was Rich Gilarducci. And I never called him dad. Mm-mm. And I didn't have to call him dad. I loved him as Rich. Now, he was my stepdad, but I would call him Rich. And uh, he was so patient. Yeah. Like he never asked for anything. He just wanted to be my friend. Yeah. And because of that, he created the space for me to love him like a father. To
1: fall in love with him. Yes. You fell in love with him. Yes. And that's what li- – and, and you guys, when we try and force something, we're going against the norms of humanity. <laughs> you know, uh-oh, Todd's pen burst and Oops. he's all full of black ink. Um Hummer. That is a bummer, uh, do you need a pen?
0: yeah, um
1: but you that's the thing is we have throw. to be more real about how we relate to people, you know and and if we and this is what I think happens most of the time when I'm talking to someone or Todd and I are talking about a situation or we're coaching someone. It's all the expectations we have in our head about what we think we should be feeling and should be doing or shouldn't be feeling or shouldn't be doing that then hang us up. Yeah, And then we look at ourselves in this negative way and then we go through our day feeling bad about ourselves and then we treat people poorly because we have nothing internally to give.
0: Yeah. Quick story about energy. Yes. Um, on the night that my stepdad passed away, he died of pancreatic cancer my daughter was six months old yeah, and at the time she was luckily for us sleeping through the nights you know rock solid
1: pretty much yeah
0: and one night she and this night she uh started wailing all of a sudden like uncontrollably like i don't know if i can't remember hearing her wail in this fashion
1: it was out of context it was out of context
0: and then my mom called me 10 minutes later and said Rich just passed away. Yeah. So how's that? You, you know, this is somebody logical and practical, but there's something to that.
1: Well, and also let me say that Rich never had children of his own. Yeah. So when he married your mom, he was so excited to yeah. like have you and guys as part of daughters. his family. And he wanted a daughter. So when JC was born and he was her grandpa. Yeah. And we gave him a sweatshirt that said, Grandpa Rich. Yep. Do you still have that? I do. Okay. And he, well, I could cry. He was so proud. I know. And so just the fact that he got to spend six months with her.
0: And he got, you know, although he wasn't around, he got six more granddaughters after that. He
1: did. He got, we have seven. So
0: he had none. And then he went from one, family. went from none to seven.
1: <laughs> Total Richie. Yes. Uh, he's Yeah. So, so in. You know, in a nutshell, that's one part of the question. Did I miss the other part of the question?
0: Eight-year-old girl with huge personality, sweetie. What are you going to do?
1: Well, you know, there's no way to simplify this. I can't tell if the mom is having an issue with it or the teacher's having an issue with it. But either way, if it's a school and a home-based thing, um, partner with the school about how to understand your daughter better. Mm-hmm. Um There may be things that need to be put in place, maybe a system that needs to be put in place so she's not disruptive in class. Um, Part of the reason why you want to partner with school is obviously you have to be her advocate. But there's also some reality about being in a classroom with 30 other kids or 25 other kids that at home you can give them a ton of space.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say is um, you need to – you know. To your point, you need to collaborate with the school and yeah. all that. But if she has a lot of energy, make sure that you give her vehicles to expend some of that energy, yeah. whatever that is. Um, you know, I think a lot of times when kids are kind of nutty, crazy, energetic, I've heard martial arts is always something really good because it teaches them to, you know, be in alignment with their body and their mind. Body,
1: breath, mind, spirit. Right. All together. All um, together.
0: Or, you know, just running around like, you know, soccer, whatever it is, just get some of that energy out of that kid.
1: Like she, she may be the kind of kid who when she comes home, sitting down and doing homework right away would be a nightmare. Yeah. Even though maybe you'd like it to be that way because I know I like it that way. Sometimes there's kids who really need to move. And also it's figuring out. You know, is is there something like I'm going to take it off the really basic stuff? Is there something going on in the classroom? Is she feeling safe? Mm. Um, one of the biggest compliments I ever give my children's teachers because we've been really blessed with wonderful teachers is my daughter feels safe in your classroom. Yeah. Meaning she hasn't. It's not always that it's always perfect, and sure. but she feels she can come to you. So is that um, something that your daughter feels? Does she feel safe? Does she feel or does she feel unseen? Or does she feel like she doesn't connect with anyone? Like sometimes we look at things very surfacey. Like why can't she sit still? She needs to sit still. Instead of diving in and saying why can't someone sit still? A lot of times it's because of emotions. A lot of times it's because of sleep. A lot of you know investigating things rather than making her. A problem,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but again, we didn't get enough information to know much more than that.
0: Right. Um, all right. You ready for number three? Sure. Hold on. Let me do my drum roll. Number three: preschool drop-off daughter. Um, I feel like I'm traumatizing her every Tuesday and Thursday when I drop her off at preschool. She says she doesn't want to go. She's scared. She cries, and her teacher has to help her in every day, pretty, pretty regularly, since September. Her teacher says she's fine as soon as I leave. She participates, interacts, listens. My mom picks her up and it always seems like she has fun. Everyone says it's just me. I try to let my girls feel their feelings and want them to be comfortable sharing with me so that I can give them uh, space to figure out how to deal with the difficult ones. So I wonder, is she showing me her true feelings and hiding it from everyone else? Or is she fooling me? And taking advantage of my empathic nature, do I need to be more firm, like everyone tells me I need to be? So many questions. I do have a lot of anxiety myself, and of course, I feel like I'm damaging my kids all the time.
1: Oh, I, I'm sorry that I know that how you feel, and you're not alone. Um, when we carry our own anxiety and we start to become self-aware, we recognize how that can be really contagious. But don't don't shame yourself. The more you can just see it and understand it, the more you'll be able to. Um, to, you know, let yourself off the hook a little bit. This is what I'll say. Todd and I have a ton of experience with this. Uh, I have a lot of experience professionally because I used to help kids who had a lot of school anxiety, and then we had uh, two out of our three who always had a hard time with drop-off, especially in preschool. And we had some wonderful teachers who are like saints who sound like the teacher you're working with who would say, don't worry, I've got her. You know, carry her in. It's like we had a plan. And... Here's the thing. I don't think she is fooling you, nor do I think you meet need to be more uh, firm. Firm. I think it just is what it is. I think that instead of thinking it's a problem we need to solve – we stay present with it. Um, And what that means is she may have a hard time at drop-off period because she's young and little and preschool takes a lot of energy. And once she's there and in present time with it, she does have a good time. But sometimes leaving the house and knowing she's going to be away from you all day is hard. And she has every right to feel that sense of now she has a sense of future right. you know like okay i've got to be at school like you know Jay, um skyler always used to say in first grade seven hours yeah, you right. know they start to they start to instead of be in present time they their brain develops in such a way where they start to recognize how long they're away from you so instead of thinking you need to change or that it's your fault or that other people are right or you're wrong or anything just Acknowledge it with her. I understand you're sad, and we're going to get you in safely. And that teacher is going to help you. And I'm with you all day in your heart. And maybe if she eats lunch there, make sure you have a note in her lunch saying, thinking about you right now. Maybe have her take a picture of you with her to preschool. Um, Todd, sometimes the girls used to wear my shirt or my necklace oh, yeah, I remember to school. That um i would always i would always ask the teacher if they could have pictures you know in their desk or pictures somewhere in their backpack where they could look at us if they needed to like instead of thinking there's like a simple solution talk to her about how can we because She can't not go to preschool because it sounds like you're working Yes. grandma's picking her up. Correct. So that's not an option. So instead of saying, oh, am I traumatizing her? She shouldn't be going to preschool. Instead, say to yourself, how can we do this together so this is the best experience it can be? And- you know, off and and when she, when you pick her up at the end of the day, or you see her, ask her, say, "How was it this? You know, at drop off, you know, when you were sad, you know, how long did it take till you felt a little better?" Okay, well, I was sending like, don't, I don't want, I don't like saying, don't do this, but try not to make her feel bad about having those feelings, right. because the more she knows, she can have them the less she'll need to demonstrate them. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Because then she knows you know how she feels. Um, And this too shall pass. Maturity changes everything. And
0: and like to your point, she's in preschool.
1: Right, this is very normal.
0: Well, and good for this woman to uh, at least accept that she has some anxiety herself. Correct. I mean, that's... A lot of parents don't do that.
1: And also remember, for every event that we perceive as we're traumatizing them, we have a million other opportunities during the day to connect with them. There's no way to be perfect with our children. There are times, Todd and I have fun thinking about when our children are older, what are the things we did that are going to drive them? I already have a few ideas about things that... They already laugh at me. They think my laugh is silly.
0: They've been making fun of your laugh lately. They
1: have. And so I know they're going to talk about that when they grow up. Remember when mom would laugh?
0: Um, They've also been, uh, one of them has been kind of hard on you. Like you do 85 things for this kid in a day. And like she'll say, but you forgot to put my homework back in my folder. And I'd be like, dude, back off. It's your mom.
1: I know. Well, and we're kind we kinda of joke with them about that. Like, I'm so glad that you recognize the one thing yeah. that I did. And we try and use humor because I don't feel bad. Right. Meaning if she were to say that and I was like, Oh, you're right, I dropped the ball as a mom. I don't feel bad. Right. She's just noticing she wants to know how much she's cared about. And what I'm trying to help her understand is don't look for the ways you're not. Right. Notice the ways you are. Right. And instead of making her feel bad and shaming her, use humor, you know, or or say, you're right. I didn't put that in your folder. Um, and tomorrow we'll talk about it again. That's like, right. End of story. Period. Drop the ball. Drop and the mic. And
0: done. Okay. Um, Real quick, our partner, Hunter Clark Fields, she's a mindfulness mama mentor. She coaches smart, accomplished, overstressed moms on how to create mindfulness in their daily lives. Hunter, who was actually at our conference, she sweetie, was,
1: she was one of our partners, has
0: over 20 years of experience in yoga and mindfulness practice and has taught thousands worldwide. She does one-on-one coaching. She's also has the present mama community. It's a subscription service where you get access to an ever growing library of high quality yoga practices, guided meditations, and mindful parenting lessons. So check her out at presentmamacommunity.com. Nice. All right. Spanking number okay. four. The first thing is we've done four different shows on spanking, Okay, Um, and I'm just going to give this as a resource. If you guys, one thing, if you ever are interested in a specific topic, you can go to our website, and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a magnifying glass, like a search box. It doesn't say search. It's just a magnifying glass, Mm -hmm. and if you click on that and say spanking, these four will show up, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a tool for you guys all to, you know, if you wanted to here are our episodes where we had to talk to your kids about sex, just type in sex or whatever. So these are the four that come up. ZenParentingRadio.com slash 208, 193, 74, and 299. If you enter those into your um, browser or whatever, those shows will come up or you can just search it out. So this guy named Nick... He says, hello there. I read this article and I want to bring it to your attention. Will you talk about it or at least mention it? So he doesn't really have a question. He just wants us to know about it. So I pulled this and we'll have this in the show notes. So this isn't as much of a question as it's a resource. Okay. Um, There's a new study that just came out um, from the University of Texas and the University of Michigan that the more children are spanked, the more likely they are to defy their parents and to experience increased Antisocial behavior, aggression, mental health problems, cognica- cognitive difficulties, according to a new meta analysis of 50 years of research on spanking. Mm-hmm. The study published in this month's Journal of Family Psychology looks at five decades of research involving over 160,000 children. The researchers say it's the most complete analysis to date of the outcomes associated with spanking and more specific to the effects of spanking alone than previous papers. Okay. Um, So... Obviously, this is something that you and I have been teaching for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's just nice when research backs up what we have kind of felt for a long time.
1: And I think everybody has. I mean, and, I, and I'm not trying to be simplistic when I say that, but nobody – there are certain things that in our gut we know that we might be creating more of a problem than less of a problem. The reason that we – feel attached to spanking is because it's from our history, it's from the generation before us and the generation before that. And so we're like, well, I want to be raised the way that I was raised, it worked for me, it helped me, when really, it has a lot of connotations, it has a lot of um, consequences that we would never, we're not trying to create, that we're unaware that we are contributing to.
0: Well, and I will probably speak about it more directly than you will. Um, I think children who get spanked develop wounds. And the only and we carry those wounds around as adults now yeah. we can 't go back in time and say the reason that i 'm anxious or the reason that i 'm angry more often than not is because I got spanked when I was five years old, but that certainly is a contributing variable or contributing factor to it
1: that 's the thing is in our own personal lives, unless someone 's been researching us it 's hard to point to certain things because it 's never one thing it 's it 's a you know culmination of things, but that 's why this research is interesting because they 're able to find some evidence that, um, you know, makes this connection.
0: Well, the interesting about this study is that most of the other studies it says included other types of physical punishment in their analysis, mm-hmm. but this is only spanking. Interesting. So it removes all the other variables of, of severe abuse. Because oh. a lot of people are like, well, I don't a, I don't hit my kids. I spank them. Well, in my opinion, you're hitting your kids. Right. Um, but we, as adults and parents, want to make ourselves feel better by using a different word. When in fact, if you're striking your child for whatever reason, you're hitting them.
1: And and when Todd says that, for those of you who are still kind of mulling this over, I know that sounds shocking, and we're not this. We're not trying to make you angry or you know make you feel fear. bad. Right. It's about looking at it a different way. It, That's the thing that we do as a society is we use words to kind of change the context of things. Like, you know, well, I do this, but I don't do this. And so, therefore, it's not bad. And when you understand that any time your child is being hurt by the one they love the most, it's damaging to them internally. When Todd says wounds, he doesn't mean external. No. He means internal.
0: And those wounds turn into shadows that you repress as you grow up into an adult.
1: And then as they age— and they have questions or they do something wrong or they make poor choices they will be less inclined to talk to you because they have been physically hurt by you and that is a very that messes with the brain yeah. that's a that's a they they don't have it disconnects Speci- rather than connects
0: especially from the one biological person that they're connected
1: to exactly that's the that's the the mess up in their minds is they're like wait a second that's why i say when we see this research I kind of think everybody already knows that. It, not everybody's doing it, but if we really sat down and thought about it and we were contemplative, contemplative, what, I can't say that word
0: Contemplative right. makes you sound smarter. Contemplative makes you sound less smart.
1: Okay, well, my goal is not smart. My goal is, I getting the message across? which one are you going to use? I'm going to say contemplative. Sweetie, that's not smart. <laughs> contemplative. There you go. Um, if you think about it, you will f- you'll recognize how you feel. It feels awful. You feel disconnected. How do they feel? They're either feeling so weak and defeated or they're feeling defiant and angry. When you
0: say they are, you talking about the parent or the, the child. Kid? Ah.
1: So you feel awful. You're angry. You're taking out your anger. And then your child is left either in a puddle on the floor or so angry and defiant that they, ca- they can't even reach yeah. their, themselves anymore. Yeah. So it's. I know for those of you who are like, yeah, but it works, it's a momentary change in their behavior, but over the long haul, it does nothing but harm.
0: The cost does not outweigh the benefits of meeting the needs of the immediate situation. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five, <sighs> two-year-old son slash tantrums. Okay. Uh, I have a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. I have a hard time with discipline or I have a hard time with discipline and understanding when to create boundaries with my son, especially. He's at the age where tantrums and power struggles are so common. He also seems to want and need more attention from me. I'm happy to give it, but also I'm aware that it should not be to the detriment of him or me. It seems he will take whatever attention he can get, even if it's unreasonable or negative attention. I'm wondering if you have any suggestions on how to create some boundaries with him and how to manage his outbursts. The only way of timeout has not proven to be effective, but this is not a time in his development where I can reason with him when he's upset over something trivial. Do you have any books or writers, authors that you can suggest? Um, P.S. I plan to buy your combo set, Kathy.
1: Oh, good. So
0: I was going to say, you know, I got some good books <laughs> to refer you to, but you're already going to do that. So that's great.
1: Um, well, it's the five-year-old?
0: No, she's talking about her two-year-old son. Oh, so my two-year-old. guess is the daughter was probably easier. And now this, this boy... Who's got a lot of energy
1: yeah. um, that she never mama. experienced
0: yeah. with uh, his her five year old daughter? Like this is new information. This is a new territory for her. So I'm sure that she is. Struggling, obviously she is. Otherwise, she wouldn't be writing in. So, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I would say that um, again, similar to the preschool question from before, it's very typical for a two-year-old to be very connected to mama, boy or or girl. This doesn't have to be gender specific. Um, it's when, oftentimes, when separation anxiety starts to occur, it's when they start to recognize how fun mama and dad can be and how they can, you know, brighten up a room. It's yep. their person, um, and so it's not so much about again. A lot of times we we go to the how do I teach him the boundary – instead of how do I teach him more about me and my needs and our needs together you know like that that human piece where like I'll give you an example even though my daughter is much older right now she um, is wants me to go to bed with her and rub her back and you yeah. know and she can go to sleep by herself she's sure. old enough it's just she's in that place
0: she wants connection she
1: wants connection and and I totally understand and I want to be with her and I want to connect but there comes a point where When I need to be with her sisters or be with myself and there is there is a time that it ends. And instead of explaining myself or being like, "Oh, you have to understand." And how do you not understand? They don't yeah. because they're young and they want the attention. Instead is this is what I do for me. Yeah. And I love this time with you and it's so important and valuable to me. Um and I so enjoy it and we'll do it again tomorrow night, but this is how we'll run it. Mm. In kind of, and with a 2-year-old, they're so much younger that I know the you know the rationalization isn't always as um, as easy. But what I'll say is is I think a lot of times the reason we struggle with this is we feel bad. Mm. Like if they need this, I should be showing up for their every single need. And we can show up, and at the same time say, okay, now now I'm tired, or now I need a little time to myself, and then we'll come back together. and And let me tell you something: it's not going to work. It may not work initially, <laughs> right? right. The, or
0: it's not always going to work. It might work this time and not that time because you're dealing with a human being who has different who's two. needs who's two years old.
1: Because that's the thing. It's a maturity thing, too, is also if you want to be very literal, what are the things your two-year-old loves to do? And when you need to separate, say, OK, now it's Lego time. Yeah. So then you're filling that. That I don't want to call it a hole, but that space that they have where they're like, but I want you in it, fill it with something else they love. Okay, now when I am doing my thing or when I'm with your sister, you get to play with all the water and be, you know, or take your bath. The only thing
0: I remember, um, one of the best tricks, I'll use tricks, or you can call it a tool in your toolbox, is distraction.
1: Yeah, it can be. And
0: they may, that may be like, oh, you're tricking them, but no, I mean, you know, your kid. Or give them options. Those those are the two biggest tools. Distraction, like distract them with something else or give them options. you want to go to bed now or in 10 minutes? Choices. Choices, right. Right. Because you're giving the power back and you can care less if they go to bed now or in 10 minutes. But the fact that you're giving them a choice and it may not work for a two-year-old, but maybe a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Because um, I forget how smart two-year-olds are. Well, and are.
1: that's so funny because I just said, you know, they can take a bath. A two-year-old can't take a bath yeah. by themselves. It, I'm showing the age of my children. Yeah. Like, I'm showing what We're we ancient. do. We're a little
0: older. We're Stephen and Elise Keat.
1: <laughs> we are. We've got older kids. Um, but I love what Todd just said, you know, giving um, him choices and saying, now is my time by myself. So are you going to do Legos mm-hmm. or are you going to do – and again – it, and that's
0: is, distraction and choices
1: it is and also i the reason i'm not saying technology is because you know i'm I think it's always an opportunity to give them something else that they love that's brain stimulating. Um, but there are times moms and dads where if you are going nuts and you're losing your mind, it's okay to let your child watch a show. Yeah. It, especially these 20 30 minute shows like I feel like sometimes we're so caught up with I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, our hands are tied.
0: Or it's okay if they if they lose it hopefully they are old enough where they can lose it in their room and get all their sads out. Yeah. I mean, and you're not locking the door or anything right. like that, but let, cause I think as parents, we just want our kids, I shouldn't, sometimes I just want my kid to be quiet so I can think. Right. Sometimes that's not going to happen, but we tend to like try to fix it. I would try to fix it just so I can have a clear head. Yes. Instead, I surrender to the fact that, okay. They're upset. They're upset. I'm not going to be able to do anything about this.
1: and just let them be upset. Let them be upset. It's not
0: that big of a deal.
1: And you, Mama, you are in a very busy time. You have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and there's some reality about the situation you're in. Rather than thinking it shouldn't be this way, as a mom and as a clinician, I can say, it's very typical. Yeah. And and I know that doesn't make you feel better um right this minute, but maybe when your son is clinging on your leg and you're thinking, Well, this is two year old stuff. Like this is what I'm do this is where we are.
0: Yeah, you you're you're wanting to be different than it is.
1: Exactly. And this is where we are. But here's the things I'm gonna try and have fun with it. Like you might try thing one thing one day and you're like, I got it. And the next day it doesn't work. Yeah. And then try something else. Creativity, because what I feel like a lot of moms and dads think is something's wrong with me. I'm doing it wrong. Right. And if you can remove that shame and be like, okay, how am I going to have this inner, you know, this connection with this little being, then it's a little more light.
0: Yep. You ready for the next one? I am. Number 10, uh, top 10 books. Sarah says, would you consider putting together a personal top 10 of books that most strongly influenced and inspired you? I'm always reading and it seems you are too. Now, first of all, she sent this to you. Okay. She wasn't as interested in my top 10. (laughs) Maybe it's because I've only read about 10 books in the last, whatever, five years. Whereas you probably read 10 books in the last three weeks. Yes,
1: I go through books very fast and it's been many, many years. And I don't. When Todd uh, asked me to do this and we decided to split it up, by the way, he did five, I did five, but it's virtually impossible. Yeah. I mean, I the the amount of amount of great books out there that all have different connections to different pieces of our life. But I, I tried to do my best.
0: Right. Um, so you go you want, first. Do you have yours written down?
1: No, you have them. I thought.
0: I'm gonna rip it off just so you can announce your own. I
1: told Todd yesterday what they are.
0: Yeah. Um, and you're like I'm gonna.
1: Can I say this because I I want to feel proud of a success? Um, I found out at the beginning of this. Actually, I found out a couple of weeks ago that my most recent book won a Nautilus Book Award. Yay, sweetie. I know. I was very excited about that.
0: I forgot to mention on last Tuesday shows, so I had something special planned for next Tuesday show. You're no kinda way. spoiling my surprise. What did you have? Um, I don't know. I was just gonna queue up celebrate good times by cool and oh the that would
1: have been new <laughs> and different. Um so anyway, I uh this book that I wrote a year or two ago has had a good uh has had a good run.
0: It has, and you're very proud of it, and it's your best book, but the other two are pretty darn good too. And now you're working on your fourth book.
1: I am and I'm trying to figure out how to Find writing time. Uh, moms and dads band, I am with you. When you're like you just want to be in your own head and you just want to like uh, think your own thoughts, I am so that way that I – I need to wake up earlier and be alone before people come into my world because I can't work and have people constantly interrupt me because my brain doesn't work that way. I think you do a better job than that than I do. Of what? Of you can like work and have people interrupt you and work and have you can like go. But isn't that like the definition
0: of what you girls are good at, which is multitasking?
1: But it's different. I think you
0: are better at it than I am. I
1: can multitask. If I'm cleaning the kitchen, I can do a, a million things. But my writing, I can't write. When
0: you are in, when you have a need for creativity yeah yeah but I'm not creative I don't do anything creative
1: well that's not true you're very I'm, creative I'm doing
0: boring work stuff
1: and that's I think the difference is what I'm asked to do asked by myself it's not like I have somebody breathing down my neck but what I do for a living as far as writing and creating is very difficult to do in the midst of four other people yeah. and when if I was just answering emails or putting yeah. a graph together no problem right. so for all of you who feel that way you're with them I wanted to say "hear ye," but that's the wrong thing to say.
0: Hear ye, hear ye! It sounds like something from a Brady Bunch (laughs) episode. Didn't like Peter say that? We'll have to ask Noreen.
1: Only Peter has said "hear ye."
0: (laughs) It's from a Brady. Hear ye, hear ye! It's when he like was doing a school play.
1: I know, but isn't that like a total '70s things thing that people would say when they're being a judge or something?
0: I think it's like from England, Romeo and Juliet (laughs) stuff, isn't it? (laughs) What is hear ye, hear ye <laughs> from? What does it from? mean?
1: Why did it even come into my head? Hear ye,
0: hear ye. <laughs> all right. My number. Okay, go ahead. This is in no particular order. Okay. Um, a new earth, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, amen. He's my guy. We talk about that all the time. Okay. Which one of yours?
1: Oh, you go. You do them all.
0: Uh, the next one, 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And I'm
1: interested that you chose that one.
0: Because it was like the easiest book I've ever read. Ah. Like I flew through it. Okay. It was so good.
1: Is it because he added like all the things about it was, CBS and it was more A- interesting? ABC? ABC? Sorry. Yeah, it
0: wasn't necessarily the most inspirational book, but I was really, really interested. Actually, I should put uh, um, Summit Lake down there too.
1: I know, but that's not an inspirational book. But you know what? It is just because of the way it was written.
0: So my buddy Charlie Donnelly wrote a book called uh, Summit Lake, and I'm going to put that in just so he doesn't get mad at me. Okay. Um, 10% Happier by Dan uh, Harris. The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm starting to read that with um, my daughter. I hopefully.
1: What, how do you think keep... she likes it so far?
0: Well, we just read like the first three paragraphs okay. last night.
1: She's a reader, Cause man. Because we're
0: reading Wonder. Yeah,
1: that's so we're good. We're almost
0: done with that. Mm-hmm. So um untethered soul by michael singer which Mm -hmm. is one of my all-time faves and then last but not least the deepest acceptance radical awakening in an ordinary life jeff foster one of these days i'm going to go to one of his workshops he's from england but he comes to denver and stuff like that
1: yeah he does um
0: those are my five
1: that's a good list um i i love that you chose jeff foster because he he really spoke to you oh yeah and what was the one before that
0: Uh, Untethered Soul. Untethered
1: Soul. uh, I can't tell you how many people that book has helped. Oh, yeah.
0: That book has affected so many people. I mean, so have all these, but uh, Untethered Soul. Yeah, they're all special.
1: Untethered Soul, some of the quotes literally save me. Like when I am thinking about something or ruminating about something that's so unimportant, Michael Singer gave me permission to let go of it and not solve it. Yep. and And that may sound really dumb and simplistic, but... I really went through a long majority of my life thinking if I'm having a problem, I need to brain wise solve it instead of. Welcome to my world, sweetie. Let it go. Okay, so mine. Okay, so because you mentioned Charlie Donnelly, I have to say this two of my very wonderful girlfriends, Shefali Sabari and Annie Burnside, I think wrote the two of the best. Um, uh, conscious parenting books. Obviously, Dr. Shivali wrote uh, "The Conscious Parent," and she's got "The Awakened Family" coming out, and she also has "Out of Control." And um, Annie Burnside wrote "Soul to Soul: Parenting," and um, "From Role to Soul." They're two of my good friends, and I would never leave them out of the list. Um, in
0: addition to, in those. addition
1: to those two, though, um, my absolute favorite book of all time is "Gift from the Sea." Who wrote that? Uh, Anne Morrow Lindbergh. I read it. I actually didn't read it this year in Florida, but I usually read it every year. And it's a book that was written so many years ago, and it holds up, and she's one of my Uh, Role models. um, Maybe that's not the right word. She is one of my the people that I look up to because she understood self-awareness and self-care before anyone had language for it. Yeah,
0: it's like written in the 50s, right?
1: Correct. She's Charles Lindbergh's wife, the aviator's wife. If you guys have read it, this is Admiral Lindbergh's, pretty much what I call her self-help book. Yeah, And it's so beautifully written that I've always wanted to write something like it, and I finally had to let that go because I will never write something like it. I had to say, write your own thing, Kathy. Okay. My second favorite book is from uh, my one of my favorite authors, uh, Mary Pfeiffer, who's another one of my role models, someone that I, I seek to be like. Uh, and her book is called Seeking Peace. She's written a lot of books. Uh, her most famous is Reviving Ophelia, um, which many of you may have heard about. It's uh, about pre-adolescent girls. But she writes a lot about um, – a lot of books after that are more about soul-searching. Mm. And Seeking Peace was about her – coming back from her major depression after she did a 10-year book tour for that book. Yeah. And the reason she's always been so close to my heart, and I even wrote to her just to let her know how connected I feel to her, is that she played the game of that whole book thing and Mm -hmm. being famous and being on TV, and it literally drove her to depression. Yeah. And I so know that about myself. I don't mean I'm not going to write books and would – I just mean like you have to know yourself – before you jump into this world so you don't deplete yourself.
0: I think what you're trying to say is you have to check yourself.
1: Before you wreck yourself.
0: Before you, That's true. That's exactly what that means, isn't it?
1: Yes. You got to tell. I always think about Mike Ross when you say that.
0: You got to check, check yourself, yourself before, before you re- wreck yourself. Because I think he was drunk one night and he left me that voicemail. <laughs>
1: So I think that I'm gonna I consistently check myself before I wreck myself. And Todd I, Todd's so wonderful because sometimes what I say no to or yes to he doesn't understand. And I just say but it feels right and you are really great about that. So thank you. You're welcome,
0: sweet. It's like spending a lot of money getting a yoga certification without any intent to ever be a yoga teacher.
1: Yet do i do yoga three to four times a week it's a huge part of my life true and i became a better student and i did teach for a couple of years yes you did and if someone said hey you want to come teach like i used to uh do volunteer teaching at high school i could still do that um you're I, certified for life. I am certified for life, but I don't need... There are other people who do it better than me. What else you got? Okay. Um, Brene Brown's books. You guys know Brene Brown's book. Double B. The best one is Gifts of Imperfection, in my opinion. I feel like the 10... Um, the Wholehearted Living, the 10... Uh, the list of 10 things to wholehearted yeah. living is so telling and, and...
0: Is that from the book?
1: It's from the book. Okay. Uh, is so... What is the word when it's Is that complete? what you have in the
0: hallway? It's something from Bannee Brown. Yeah, that's
1: that's the um, what's it called? I can't come up with words. It is her motto, or what's that mantra? Word? Mantra, that kind of thing. It's it's about connecting with your children.
0: So I disrupted your flow. Sorry,
1: but the the gifts of imperfection, I just think, is a really complete guide to understanding yourself. Um, from my next book, from one of my favorite authors of all time. Anna Quinlan is a short guide to a happy life. I would also put Being Perfect in there. Um, they're really small, short books. But again, her writing style is gorgeous. And I just resonate with it so much. And then the last one is Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Pieces Every Step. Um, I feel like if there was any mindfulness book that if you just wanted to like kind of jump in a little bit. That book is beautiful.
0: The best part about Thich Nhat is he's Vietnamese, so he doesn't have a really strong command of the English language. So he uses simple words and simple sentences. Yeah, short and, sentences. And I love that.
1: And it makes it, you feel, I'm not saying he's childlike in an education way. He's ridiculously highly educated. What I mean is, you feel childlike when you read Ticknot's books. You feel he taps into this place in you that is simpler in a gorgeous way. True that. Rather than there's so many books out there that turn me off when they're just throwing jargon in my face, mm-hmm. telling me how much they know. Yeah. I don't care how much, I don't care about your words. Help me feel it. Yeah. So, you know, I want to, you know, that's, that's Ticknot's book. So
0: we got through six out of seven questions. Good, good. We'll save the seventh one for later. Okay. So sorry to Wendy. Okay. Um, so, but this was fun and we'll do it again if we get another backlog of questions. So if you have questions that you want answered, try your best to keep it as brief as you can. Uh, and you can send it to comments at yep. Um Words of wisdom, sweetie?
1: Um, just that you're good. And are you talking
0: to me or the listeners? I'm talking
1: to the listeners. And
0: Are you saying I'm not good?
1: You are good too. Oh, thank you. And trust who you are and appreciate who you are. And if you have that sense of appreciation, you will give that to other people. So love yourself.
0: Uh, And I'm going to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That too. Bye. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, One of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FamZoo. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.